Could you please stop being such a buzzkill? Welcome back to Buzzkill. Welcome back. Uh, today, special guest. We got another special guest. Um, and before I introduce our special guest and allow him to give his his own introduction, uh, let me just say that if for people that haven't noticed um, a trend when it comes to sort of Buzzkill, is that uh, we have a tendency <laughs> to talk about things that we find uh, interesting, right? Um, you can see this one with, even when we, we talked with Mark Palermo, um, not only about his movie, but about uh, the Andy Anderson movie, Detention, which no one has seen, right? Um, or even when we had on uh, Drew Boldick and we talked about his movie, The Taint, which has a cult following. Um, this is a big, a big part of why we do this podcast is, because we feel like there are so many interesting things out there that don't get talked about enough. And like, this is a big reason. And this is, this is what I like to do moving forward. And I know probably me, Jason's probably on the same page as me about this, about like this idea of interesting sort of outside the box are being created in these spaces and fringes that aren't necessarily from the the typical channels. Um, And with that being said, um, we are going to talk with someone who made, He's got two films under his belt, um, and it's ve- he's definitely an interesting voice. He's definitely someone who's making making stuff not within the the, t- the typical sort of Hollywood machine, um, and that is our guest Christopher Bickle, the director of the Theta Girl, uh, which we'll be talking t- with him at length, and also uh, Bad Girls. Uh, Chris, hello, nice to have what you. What up? Hey, what's going on? Good to be here. <laughs> Feel free to uh, free feel now that I've kind of gave that little um, introduction. Feel free to give your own introduction to everyone, you know, listeners and us. Okay, well, uh, I'm an underground filmmaker. Uh, Work on what you would call no budget movies. Mm -hmm. Um, I've made two so far and I'm uh, in pre-production on a third one and um, kind of figuring everything out. Uh, you know, it's it's a, a learning process, but uh, but we have a lot of fun with it. It's really just kind of like a little rascals type thing, a bunch of friends getting together in the backyard, putting on a show. I, and that's I feel like that's that's something that comes through um, in your movies. It does feel like you're definitely uh, having fun with it um, and they're fun movies. Um, a little bit about like you are you're from South Carolina, right? Is that where you're based? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool, that's right. Cool. And how exactly? I don't know. This is like maybe a boilerplate question, but how did you come to just deciding to? I'm gonna say fuck it. I'm gonna make make films. Well, it's a thing that I wanted to do um, from uh, a young age, and I went to college. I studied media arts, uh, and I had wanted to go into film then, and uh, somehow got sidetracked and uh, opened a record store because uh, like vinyl. Uh, records are my other great love and uh just ended up working in record stores uh for most of my life and it's one of those things that you you start to get a little bit older and uh you realize oh there's things that i wanted to do and i could die <laughs> so having not done them so uh i had a, a a friend of mine who was a writer and he had written some scripts and he was trying to get something going with writing and uh there was just kind of one night of frustration for both of us and 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 we just sort of said hey you know why don't we just make a movie because the technology exists now that you can make a movie for relatively nothing uh you know when i was Preach. I, I, yeah I, when i was in college uh, it was kind of right on the cusp right before digital video yeah. really took over and right. so you know, if I wanted to make a film then, and I did want to make a film then, but it was going to cost at least $50,000 just to buy film stock and, and, and processing for 16 millimeter film. And it was just completely out of, out of my reach. I mean, it might've $50,000 might as well have been $10 million to me. But now, you know, for like a thousand bucks, you can get you know, a camera and lights and everything you need to, to make a feature film. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a friend of mine is this guy named Tommy Faircloth who, who lives here in Columbia, and he's made a few feature films. And he was really an inspiration seeing what he was able to do. When I saw that he could make a movie that looked like a movie 
and his budget was like five thousand dollars i was like there's no reason for me not to do this myself right well jason knows about that jason was like fuck it and he made his own film <laughs> on his <laughs> basically shot on an iphone um yeah and yeah. a little bit about us i'm not sure how much you listened to the podcast before but uh me and jason are both screenwriters um collectively between me and him we've had you know over a decade plus uh in los angeles and in the screenwriting circles kind of in the trenches you know um up close and personal with like a lot of these you know actors directors um we've done we've done the sort of uh the sort of uh what do you call it, Jason? The, the sort of open writing assignment, sort oh of the bullshit. The hamster wheel. Yeah, the kind of bullshit, trying to sell spec life. script stuff, yeah. you know, getting managers, agents, all that bullshit, trying to sell scripts, option scripts. Um, you know, we've been fortunate enough at times to like make some money doing this. Um, but sort of we kind of decided at some point that like, uh, you know, as individuals, we kind of decided that like, yo, the studios isn't really the way we really want to go about chasing this shit. Um, like, obviously, if there's if the money's right and uh, the opportunity makes sense, then I'm sure me and him, you know, or either one of right. us would be like, all right, well, we'll do that. You know what I mean? Um, but realistically, we just sort of understand the limitations when it comes to sort of trying to make movies that way. And and interesting sort of, movies. It's right, just, interesting. That's the key thing. That's the key thing. Interesting. Right. That's a good that's guys a good, like you are making interesting shit mm -hmm. because there's no oversight, essentially. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? You're unfiltered. Right. It's right. Great. You go through that yeah, system, whether it's studio or even the independent side of it, there's so much oversight, so many cooks in the kitchen. Kitchen. Mm -hmm. So much because of the high budgets, risk aversion, and they're mm -hmm. scared. So they're operating from this place of fear. When you make a film like you on a shoestring, or like I did. You're operating from a place of courage. You're like, how far can we push it? What can we do? What can we get away with? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that is the great thing that I'm not beholden to anyone. Uh, yeah. if, if I have an idea of something that I think might be a little too far over the edge, like nobody's going to stop me. Like it's only my own common sense right. is the right. only thing stopping me. Yeah. And I've seen up close, like uh, like four years ago, I got into uh, 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 I guess I call it, you want to call it a, a writing partnership. If that's if that's the case that you want to call it that um, that's what that's what that's what my writing partner would call it. You know, um, I got into a writing partnership situation with the actor Tyrese Gibson. Um, and I bring that up to say that, like, I've been on a few sets with him, more than a few sets, more with a few big sets um, and seeing those sort of bigger budget films up close multiple times. Yeah. I just it, it already <laughs> kind of knew I was like, yo, this isn't what I want. Like, you know what I mean? Like this, like, I don't want this kind of shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this, like I can scale up and there's certain, there's certain, there's certain things that I, I would like, okay, we could do certain things at certain budgets and shit, but like just the big mechanism of the Hollywood machine up close. It's just like, I just know, like, that's not artistically fulfilling. Like you, there's only so like when you kind of the closer, you, I don't think people kind of understand this. I think that people just sort of get, uh, stars in their eyes when it comes to this business right but i don't really think they get sort of like the restraints or the shackles that get put on you uh once you get into that that system and once once the budgets start creeping up and get higher and higher and the more people have oversight and the more people have say right because at a certain point when they're giving you money you know what i'm saying then that means hey we have to listen we have you have to listen to those people yeah. um and the more money they give you more the more you have to listen the more you yeah. have to acquiesce uh, and then you start to get into other things like you get you get to you get to see like egos amongst amongst stars, you know, people who have, you know, if, if you come on to a big movie and you got multiple stars, guess what? That means multiple egos outside of, you know, a director's ego. And not to say you don't get egos on a small oh, so, shoestring yeah. either. Right. You still everyone has fucking ego problems, but it's just the magnitude of it. You know, right. The Christian Bale freak out type shit. <laughs> and having that and like I said, having that relationship with him, um, I got to see some of that up close and personal just because he's working on these movies with these big budgets and like with with bigger, you know, different stars, different actors. And that's sort of like uh, just only solidified uh, for me as an artist, sort of like what I want and what I don't want. And like I'm not like really one of those people that's that's kind of like. Uh, I'm not chasing like the fucking, I don't want to be like, 
Steven Spielberg. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I feel like I feel like this is we, we shade Spielberg. Not about Ryan. Let's talk to. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, have you ever had any aspirations to work like in Hollywood in the studio system, or do you just want to make your own grindy things forever? Because some people will use these as a stepping stone, or do you and even in terms of taste, how you play in genre, obviously, do you ever see yourself as kind of a two-part question, but look at how Sam Raimi went from the Evil Dead to making something like a simple plan. Do you ever see yourself making something more restrained or that might be more accessible? I, I really like working in this realm at this level. Uh, I mean, I, of course, I wish I had a little bit more money uh, to you know, do better special effects or, mm-hmm. or, or maybe higher. Um, you know, a, a, another tier of talent uh, to, to go into the productions. But I like working uh, with a small crew, uh, a, a okay. small cast of friends. Uh, I don't know if I would really enjoy doing a big uh, production. Uh, of course, I haven't had that experience, so I can't say. But uh, if it was offered to me, um, I don't know. I, I, I like I like doing little movies. Yeah. Like, like I, I come out of punk rock. Like that's that's where I grew up, and, yeah. and you know the whole DIY spirit of everything. And and I just I just like making little things that that are uh, have a lot of myself uh, packed into it creatively, and and have a lot of my friends packed into it creatively. And, and yeah. I think the bigger you go, the further away you get from that. And that's that's touching on exactly. And that's why I was sort of kind of like going into that spiel about what I was saying. It wasn't to like really say, oh, like this is what I'm into. It's to provide context. Right. Because I feel like me specifically wanting to talk to you specifically, uh, it, it, this is sort of like my thinking behind it. Right. It's because, again, like you work in a certain space. Right. You're making a certain kind of movie. And when I saw the movie, The Theta Girl, um, like it immediately stuck out to me as like, oh, like you can't make, you know, I hate, I hate this saying I do, but like, it's kind of true. And people say it all the time now, but you can't make something like that, like in traditional ways. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like when you get 20 minutes in and there's that fucking, uh, uh, and that's, you know, spoil or whatever. But when you get 20 minutes into the movie and you see the, like the party with the, like the, like hedonistic orgy, like you, and that was in 27, this movie came out in 2017, but like, you can't do that uh, the way you did it. And if you want to go through these channels and through these systems. You know what? Not even not even just through those systems, but I think something he keyed in on is making a movie with your friends. Right. As soon as you start bringing in outside parties, strangers, people you don't know to crew up, and usually you have to pay them, right? Yeah. You don't know exactly their sensibilities. You don't know their triggers. All that shit can come to a head on a set where you're doing something crazy like the orgy and one of them has an issue with it. I take it when you're with your band of friends, you're all making outlaw cinema. You're on the same page. You don't deal with any of that kind of shit, right? Yeah, and it, it's really easy to talk to your friends about stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, where, where, you know, you're going to do something that, that might be kind of sensitive and, and, and people are in a very vulnerable state uh it it becomes much easier when you know the people to be like okay like if anybody's uncomfortable like just just yell and and we'll stop it and we can work through it and they know your intention they're not assuming the worst of you like strangers tend to do you know what i'm saying right correct and that's where being a hobbyist you could call it is so much more pure and like you said fun you can you really can just get artistic with it because you're not second guessing yourself or walking on eggshells or any of that shit you know yeah oh. you, you can make the movie that, that you want to see and you're not uh there's not this thing over your head of where it has to make a certain amount of money back or anything like you know we just assume we're not going to make any money uh that's the, that's the starting point the movie that see. yeah yeah and for those and for those i feel like it before we hit the buzzer um i just want to sort of summarize theta girl uh uh because i feel like like it deserves that people need to sort of like get a sense of what this movie is about so uh first of all wait up ryan how'd you even find out about theta girl you know he know me man I know, <laughs> how do i find out about you anything just, you stumbled across it uh, no one told across, there was no word about yeah, no 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 i just still again i was looking around you know searching around for movies to watch um this was a few years ago too um and like 
it just this I came across this film um and the first thing I saw was the theta girl I'm like what is that what is that like for, but then I saw the poster image for it right and I was like okay it kind of reminded me of a, a movie a cruel a thriller a, a cruel picture um I don't know if any of you guys are familiar with that movie. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Chris yeah, might be. It's, it's funny. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people have said that. Like, you're not the first person that. Uh, yeah. I, I think our, our lead actress uh, resembles. Uh, yeah, she lives. Yeah. Christina Lindbergh. Christina Lindbergh. Lindbergh. Yeah, she has a very, yeah. yeah, she has a very similar look to Christina Lindbergh. Um, so that kind of drew me in. And then the moment I hit play. Uh, I was like, what? Well, first it opens. I love the fact that you're like, fuck it. If you pirate this, we're cool with it. If you want, donate. You know, the film we made, that's kind of what I wanted to do with it. But unfortunately, I got a manager in the business and we had money put into it. Not much. It was like a 20 grand movie, but a couple people threw money in and it's like they want to see a return on their investment, obviously. So we got we ended up finally after like a year getting distribution. but. I love that. I love embracing it. Like Ryan and I talk all the time about piracy and it's the Werner Herzog aspect of it where he's like, it's the most efficient distribution system in the world. And yeah, it, I don't, it's, yeah, it's going to happen no matter what. There's yeah, nothing yeah. you can do about it. Yeah, there's nothing you can do uh, about it. Yeah, one of the coolest things actually, uh, you know, it, it would make some people angry, I guess, but uh, when we saw that, um, actually both films I've done now have, have come to this point where um, Russians have dubbed the movie into yeah. Russian and, and watching <laughs> your movie that you made with your pals uh, dubbed over in some foreign language. Uh, the, the fact that they took the time to do that is, is almost uh, flattering. They had to spend at least a day like translating it and recording the voices and everything. So it, it's almost like, oh, uh, you made it. Yeah. <laughs> when you see right. that, it's kind of cool. That's amazing. And it would be amazing also to translate their Russian back into English and see what the fucking characters are saying. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, I'm yeah, close. Totally wrong. Yeah, yeah. So I will, to get back to like yeah, the sorry, Theta I'm Girl, and to no, you're good, you're good, you're good. Um, to summarize the Theta Girl, the Theta Girl uh, follows this girl named Gacy. Um, we're introduced to her, um, and she's basically walking through, uh, I guess, fictionalized downtown uh south carolina i don't know our real south carolina um and she's walking through south carolina um and we see her first of all we we see her kind of uh come up to a homeless man outside of a, a bar in a club right and um she's quite quickly established that she she and this homeless man have a close relationship um and then a band uh, a, a van pulls up and a female band hops out and now gacy is the manager of this band Right. Um, but Gacy's also a drug dealer. Uh, and G Gacy, uh, Gacy sells this drug called Theta. Um, Theta looks like uh, looks like lemon heads. <laughs> it is. Uh, it is looks like a bag of lemon heads. Um, and she's selling. So the girls, the band that she manages, they come in and they bum rush uh, this other band, this male band. Um, what's the name of the band again? It has a very funny name. Uh, the, the male band. Oh. Terry Cloth Stiletto. Terry Cloth Stiletto. Terry Cloth Stiletto. Yeah. Stiletto is awesome, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, they bum rush them, get them booed off the stage, basically, and then they jump on and hijack and they do the show. Um, but while they're doing the show, uh, Gacy's already given them the drug and she's given, you know, she's selling the drug in, in the actual, the bar, right? Um, and like, as she's selling them, like, she's like, literally people are giving her money. They're going out and her friend, the homeless man, the houseless person, um, they go outside, they take the they, they take the drug and then he wipes off the little mark on their hand. Right. Um, but what you what you really start to find out is that like this drug is very unique. Right. Um, because if you take enough of the drug, um, you you go into like this parallel universe almost. It's like a trip. Right. But you see this entity. Um, and the thing is, everyone sees the entity. Yeah, it's um, like the DMT L. Yeah, it's like a DMT. Yeah, right, right. And yeah. you see this entity, right? And this entity is a very like you don't you're not quite sure if it's malevolent or benevolent. You really you're not quite sure. Um, and um, while this is happening, um, there is a group of sort of like I don't know if you want to call them uh, religious zealots, <laughs> uh, but there's a group of men. They're on the corner, um, uh, and they see he uh, one of them, the, the leader, the de facto leader of the of the of a religious group. He notices Gacy as she walks past earlier, like in the opening, and he, he tries to say something to her. Says, "I know you," but she's like 
blows him off like fuck you get out of here so these guys go into the actual bar and they sit down and the bartender already knows who these guys are he's annoyed at them right and they, he's like you want something to drink and they're like they're, they're super christian so they're like no you know just soda so he gives them soda but he he spikes the drink with the theta. Shit. <laughs> right with the theta because uh because gacy uh gave him some theta because she has like there's a working relationship with the owner he's like he lets her sell the drug uh so while everyone else is tripping, um, the leader of the group and of this Christian group, right, and and his friends, they also are. And then, like, he sees the entity as well. But he, what he interprets is that that's the devil, right? Which just so basically- people get the picture of this guy too. He's more. He's not like what you might picture some religion. He's like this stocky, yeah, bald headed, like angry ass. Tatted, yeah, yeah, he's got a sleeve tat. Like he looks like he's, he's like a, he's almost like somebody who who had a former life right and then sort of uh uh converted like you know to christianity yeah. to sort yeah. of right, right? I, I always i always thought that he probably found god in prison yeah exactly. right right that's exactly. that's that's the sense that you get it's like he's one of those one of those types of guys right so basically after the show goes down right and after like you know we get a sort of brief introduction into like theta and this drug which we still don't really know that much about outside of this is like okay people go into this this other place and they see this entity um there's an after party and that's where we get to this sort of the 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 orgy the orgy that we talked about um um and that's where gacy and her friends are and 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 even the the guy who who's the lead singer of the uh uh what's it uh (laughs) of the stiletto like the terry Terry cloth stiletto Stiletto. he's there but he's upset because they they successfully yes man yeah, they 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 successfully <laughs> broke up his band basically. Uh, uh, so he's there, kind of pissed off, but he's also freaked out because Gacy gave him some of the drug because you know, she felt bad for him and he didn't know how much to take. So he took she gave him like three, and he took all three. God does. Yeah, so he got to see the entity. So he's there tripping the fuck out about that. Like, what is that? You know what I mean? Um, which leads to sort of uh, uh, Gacy coming back the next day. Uh, Leonard. To Lynn, yeah, the homeless, her whatever. friend, and seeing that like he's been disemboweled, and not only disemboweled, but like in a r- ritualistic fashion, where his his entrails have been like made into a symbol. Uh, so immediately, uh, yeah, yeah. So immediately, she's like, "Who who killed my friend?" She's hurt, um, and she's already trying to piece together who did this, right? Um, and that becomes a sort of narrative thrust of like the whole thing, which is like, okay, this first murder kicks off. Okay. What's happening. And then she has her, she has her sort of uh, instincts about who it is. And you also meet um, the guy who she's the, the connection. Um, the, well, now you got to remind me guys, the character, Chris, what's the name of the, 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 the guy who's uh, the connection for Gacy and the, and the people making uh, the theta. The, the, oh my my god i can't, I can't remember yeah yeah i'm trying to remember his name too <laughs> I, can, I can tell you He's the t- actor yeah tell, uh, go ahead yeah um uh, yeah dove dupree uh well i think he went uh, by uh Darrell dove um uh, in uh the theta girl but um uh god it's been so long i can't remember yeah yeah i know it's been derek <laughs> Derek, Derek. So Derek, that's he looks, it, that's Derek it. is a big imposing guy. He looks like a, he's dressed like a Black Panther, weirdly. Like he's a big, tall black dude, has like a beret on, a black leather jacket. <laughs> the beret is great. Stuff yeah. And like you think house. when you're introduced to him, you're like, oh, what's his deal? Like you don't quite know. Um, but he actually turns out to sort of be like the heart of the movie in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. And like um, he's really there to help Gacy as much as Gacy sort of like, is like, fuck everybody. <laughs> like he's really there to help her, but he's the connection. She he's where he's the one that supplies Gacy with the theta. Be right. So at first she's thinking like, well, is this some sort of retaliation for who Derek works for? And Derek's like, no, it's not like, you know what I mean? Like my piece, like, well, does your, does he, does the people that you work for have enemies? And he says something to the effect of that. No, like they don't have enemies. Like these people don't even like, you know? Um, so it, it, it sets off this whole, event yeah. of, of like to of, russian doll it she's basically right. on the war path after that to find right. out who find out who does it but leonard yeah. and Bo, right do they kill the dog or is the dog no the, the, the dog or? dies the dog gets to taken right? oh, that's right. the dog, that's the dog right. never that's right. dies right. the dog doesn't die the dog is taken right um that's which right. actually comes back the dog is fine 
everybody don't worry everyone there's no dog murder in this movie i know how people get so sensitive you know you can gut as many people as you want you could kill shotgun women in the yes, face exactly but like well you know our script stray that was the big point everybody's like no one wants to see all these dogs get killed or whatever You're like dude and and i'm gonna what i'll do is i don't want to like beat by beat like ruin the whole movie for everybody but i'll just say this okay uh after the initial after the initial discovery of leonard right being dead um everywhere that gacy goes to there's more more dead people turn up yeah um, and gore and, the gore and kicks gore in the shit, gore really kicks in and you, you you discover who's behind it which i'm pretty sure everyone can guess pretty much who's behind it um right. but but that's not even the point the point isn't really the mystery right the point is like it, it is an experience theta it's almost like the journey the, yeah. it's like taking theta watching this movie this movie right. has a lot of like uh trippy like uh just, just again like the way that they play with the visuals i really like that too by the way the way like you guys sort of like the kaleidoscopic the, yeah and the way the that you made the entity look in like the world and like it's just ve- it's very like lo-fi it speaks yeah the way the trippy. way it talks like <laughs> then you just use subtitles, subtitles like, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah like and even the choice of like the cooper font for the subtitle like it's just a, like the little things about this movie are like fucking so cool good, that good. like Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. Good call on noticing uh, the fonts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm very particular about yeah. things. Like I, said, I pay attention to stuff like that. And I feel like, again, like people could look at this movie and say, oh, well, yeah, this is clearly like one of those movies that's done on a certain budget. And I'm like, yeah, but like, look at what they did with it. Like, that's the beauty of it. The that's budget. That's the beauty of it. Like, the and how would they throw money at a problem, mm-hmm. a money creative holes. problem? They throw money at it. Mm-hmm. When you're at our budget, yeah. you got to throw creative ideas at it you got to find ways to represent something you know you gotta and to me it's like independent low budget especially true nano budget filmmaking kind of has one of the things i like about the theater in it and that the theater meaning like plays and shit you have to be representative but that's where the artistry is how do i represent time passage how do i use the set and the mizzen scene to do this you know right (laughs) but um, big budget movies just fucking throw money at it and we'll go to locations and we'll get all the establishing shots and you know meanwhile jean genet is just using screens or some shit behind the you know what i mean to represent different things and they move in and out and it's just more artistic and to me more intellectually engaging you know well so all the scenes with the entity um we were keeping in mind uh how low budget this thing was and and originally i think in the script uh it was described as um like this you know tunnel of light and all this stuff and and just like well there's no way we can make this look good with, with our budget when trying to do visual doesn't effects. have to so um so the whole idea was like well let's make it look like a like a high school play so Rushmore it's just like shit, really, yes. yeah so so you know it's it's a very kind of um just uh low budget staging uh with like the fake trees and everything and uh in the end i think that kind of made it more interesting than if we had tried to like have like some fancy special effects that's what i'm talking about and i said uh, earlier when i asked you if you wanted to start scaling up or whatever you said you know i'd like more money for special effects and i was like no don't (laughs) keep thinking of crazy innovative ways to represent shit man that's the juice right there and i know i know i I know what you mean about money though i mean it helps like if, if I had money to buy more buckets of fake blood, that would be yes. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, the gore in the theater girl is very—it's impressive, you know. Um, uh, Doing yourself it, gore is the best. Yeah, it is because you know, gore, <laughs> low budget gore can be hit and miss, right? Uh, oh, for sure. Uh, uh, but like, there's a there's this fine sort of like uh, line that you can make when it's like low budget like that, where it's like it 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 has to be sort of like good, but not too good. Right. Mm. And if, 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 if it teeters that, then it's like perfect. Right. And I feel like the theater girls like that. I feel like, you know, one of uh, Drew's movie, uh, the taint is sort of like that too, where it's like, like you could tell like, okay, like this effect works better because it like is good, but not too good. Right. You know what I mean? If that <laughs> yeah. makes sense. Even if something looks fake, as long as it is, feels repulsive it's awesome right it's like but it's like you a just weird, gotta have that in it you know? because we see we know those those are there's low budget movies that are like primarily built on the gore and the theta mm-hmm. girl's not that 
Like the no, theater girl no, no. has that, but it's not of built punctuation kind of right. It's like you know, like those August Underground movies. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Like those are like specific, yeah. those are like underground gore films. And what I mean, like they focus hyper focus on the the makeup effects, and it's like, okay, yeah, it does look real, but you just kind of like watch it, and you're just kind of like, okay, you know what I mean? Like where it's like it just takes away. It's like so. It's like there's this like weird sort of it's like, like craft versus artistry there yeah 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 and it's that it's, it's that weird space you know i'm always talking about like operating in like spaces like these like weird little like spaces and it's like with something like that an element like that specifically like like the theta girl sort of like exists in that good that happy space that happy medium where it's like oh yeah this gore is fun like it's also like done well enough incompetently enough but also like we know that like it's hyper real so it's like we don't like it's effective, but like you're not like completely repulsed, like but you're you're definitely it's definitely shocking. Like for example, there's a moment in this movie uh, where a house full of women are being like massacred, and it's effective. Like you know what I'm saying? Despite oh, yeah. despite all of the like crazy wild like like uh you know like other Fine, world yeah yeah it's like it's still very effective when it's happening. You're like holy shit! Like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you're like what the fuck? Good you know, job like, imparting that like factor. Yeah, yeah. So so I, go, go ahead, Chris. And I think one of the reasons why um uh that that scene worked uh as well as it did uh was not because of the gore, but um because uh the editing kept it moving and, and yeah. you know editing doesn't cost anything, anything. at all it's just yes. it's just uh, it, one of the things we talked about when we we first went into doing that scene is how in so many horror movies where there's a gore scene it's almost like you see the the knife and then and then you cut to and then you just see the knife stuck in somebody and mm. uh and it's real static it's like one shot and then one shot and we wanted to make sure that everything just kept moving as much right. as possible it puts you uh, in there the chaos of it and you're like Ugh, like a fly yeah. on the wall in this and that, that made it more difficult to pull off but uh but in the end i think it's more effective and it's just it's just most of it's just done with the cutting of the of the shots yeah and it's like you know like in manhunter like uh at the very end uh where like uh you see uh dollar dollar hide getting killed like michael mann like he was like a, i remember him saying like he wasn't happy with the effects that they were doing so like the way he described doing it was like he would like get the actor to freeze right then he would be like all right stop the camera and he would run up to it he put a hole in his shirt and blood then he'd be like all right cool cut the camera then cut and it's like so when you watch that scene cut together he's like piecing it together like very lo-fi and you're like oh that's just a stylistic choice and it kind of is but it was also born from necessity it was utilitarian yeah Yeah, it was utilitarian so yeah definitely like the editing is like i think that's a that's a big part of what makes this movie too is the, is is the way it's edited you know what i mean um i feel like yeah i mean everything everything about this movie because i feel like again like i don't like a lot of movies like this so you know and what i mean by that is like i don't like a lot of movies that take the aesthetics that the theta girl has um because the theta girl is drawing uh from certain uh, uh traditions of like grindhouse cinema and like certain films right and a lot of films do that. A lot of films at the same budget level do the same thing as the Theta Girl in terms of drawing from certain inspirations, using certain sort of uh, 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 aesthetics from f- whether it be synthesizer music, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, costuming, uh, just all, all all the sorts of like hallmarks of like sort of quote unquote grindhouse cinema. But I don't like a lot of those movies. And like, but again, you like but, his because, but I like his because again, I like yours, Chris. Because again, like, one, it's an interesting approach, right? I feel like, oh, like, regardless, this is a person who's taking sort of those elements but giving their own unique riff on it, right? As opposed to like, the theater girl doesn't feel like oh, it feels like it's inspired by that sort of tradition, but it feels like it's doing its own thing within the bounds of that. So it's like, you know, like, I feel like a lot of people are just like, okay, again, it comes back to like this idea of pastiche. Right. Where it's like they're just doing a, a, another interpretation. They're not doing anything interesting with it. Like you take you take that and just say, fuck it. Let's just go wild. Well, let's see where we can go with it. And I feel like most most movies that do sort of or ape the sort of things like that. That's where they fail for me as a, as just someone who's enjoying it. I, I appreciate you saying that because that was definitely something that that went into it. Uh, something that I was very aware of that I'm certainly influenced by all these movies, uh, 70s and 80s movies especially. But uh, so I knew that that influence was gonna come in, 
but I didn't want to make a fake Grindhouse movie. Right. Uh, if, if 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 you understand what I mean by no, exactly. yeah, a fake yeah. Grindhouse movie, uh, it, it it just I I wanted it to exist, you know, in our world now, and and be informed by you know the current state of affairs, but also like, um, you know, things that I'm into. But but I didn't want it to just like look like we tried to make a movie that came from 1983. Right. Exactly. Well, if we look at you actually list at the end of the film for right Roger Corman, Jack Hill, Herschel Gordon Lewis, George Romero, John Carpenter, Timothy Leary, Hunter S. Thompson, Aldous Huxley, Shunya Ito. Who is that? I should know that. I take it. Who is that? Oh, um, one of my favorite, uh, yeah, one of my favorite movies is, um, Female convict Scorpion. Have you seen? Yeah, uh, yep. those, yeah, yeah. Miko, Miko, has, yeah, with Miko Kaji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, All right. yeah, yeah. Love this movie. I gotta check it out. We'll still have to talk about it someday. Yeah, and John S. Rad. <laughs> yeah, have, so, you, have, you, have you ever seen uh, John S. Rad's movie Dangerous Men? I have not. Oh, <laughs> that's what I wanted to get into. I was like, all right, so let's talk about your influences, and maybe you even just tell us what you love about some of these people. You know. Well, John S. Rad is this guy who uh, is this Iranian guy who uh, oh, uh, immigrated to America, and uh, he was uh, had made a bunch of money in construction work uh, when he was in Iran. But then, for whatever reason, when he moved to America, he decided he wanted to be a filmmaker. And uh, holy so shit, he, he started... looks amazing! <laughs> I'm just so looking he... at a picture of him. <laughs> holy fuck! Yeah, so he started making this uh, action film uh, that took him. I think over 10 years to shoot it. And um, over the course of the 10 years, uh, the actors visibly aged. Uh, some of them quit Love the production. Uh, so, so every like 10 minutes, there's all of a sudden a new batch of actors. Uh, so the story goes in weird meandering ways. And uh, the movie is kind of a mess, but it's so interesting because it of- sounds um, so scrappy. Like you yeah, would and, like it. And, uh, and it's the only time I've ever watched a movie and then and the movie ended and I couldn't believe what I had seen and I started it over and yeah. watched the second time like instantly. Holy shit. I don't I know if I've ever done that with a movie. Real. Uh, and, and so when I learned more about the story about the guy and, and what he was up against with making it, uh, it just became way more interesting. And uh, apparently you gotta he get him died. On this fucking right, show. Oh, he's dead. He, he, he died right before people you. kind of discovered the movie. And, and so, so he died thinking it was a failure, but now it's sort of become this cult classic that, that people love. That's and unfortunately awesome. never got it to see. It makes him though like a Melville or something though, which is great that he died not knowing that his shit would be realized. Yeah. And his right. real name is Jah Jagger Saleh Salehi Salehi. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Let's get some bullshit medium <laughs> Cynthia Brown or whatever the fuck her name is on our show. So we can have an interview with him through some <laughs> <Yeah>. medium. <laughs> yeah. Seance yeah, episode yeah, of John S. Red. Yeah, do yourself a favor and, and watch Dangerous Men. Oh, it dude, is I'm on it. Really yeah, man. Ryan salivating over the shit, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got to add that to the watch list. Right. Uh, I love that. The idea that when you watch something like that, it's about as much the making of it becomes this whole layer. As you said, people are aging and shit, you know, and it's just you could tell it was some odyssey to make it as you're watching it, you know? Yeah, it, there's some interviews um, on the the dvd release and um one of them is with his daughter and she tells the story about how uh when she was a teenager uh she was given this car to drive and she got in, in some sort of trouble got grounded and um her father took the car away from her and she never saw it again until like 10 years later when she saw the movie and <laughs> he drives the car off a cliff <laughs> for one of the, the shots and she's like oh that's what happened to my car that's amazing. <laughs> love it hudson hawk that shit <laughs> <laughs> so you said as a kid you were in the movies but you just never dreamt that you could make a movie as a kid but you grew up as a young young kid watching crazy interesting shit or was it pretty normative until you got older and hit the punk scene or what yeah i mean i always are we can you still see me? Yeah. 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 Okay. Kind of choppy, uh, okay. but we got your voice. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wanted to be a filmmaker and, and was studying that in college. Mm-hmm. And somewhere, I think around my last year of college, I got a job at a record shop and yeah. uh, just really Soundtrack. loved it. I worked there for like a couple of years and then opened my own shop and then just sort of pursued um, like uh, vinyl sales. Uh, that's very much in the part of the movie too though the music you use and it's yeah. almost like a love letter to that kind of music as well you know so i'm yeah. assuming i'm assuming that like in the scene where they have the uh the sort of orgy that we talked about there's a moment where the girl's in a living room and there's just vinyl all over i'm assuming that's yours <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I, was, I was like that's an impressive collection i was like what the fuck <laughs> uh, cool right. yeah and that, that's gonna figure in um quite a deal uh, for the new movie Potter works at a record store. So a lot of that is coming from my own experiences of working in a record store. And uh, and she finds this uh, psychedelic album from the early 70s that was made by this hippie cult. And uh, she becomes obsessed with it and investigates it. It it turns out the cult like uh, still around and they are uh, pretty fucked up. (laughs) Hey, as a music guy, let me ask you. Yay or nay on Charles Manson's music because I think "Ego Is a Too Much Thing" is one of the greatest songs of all time. I don't know. About oh you. yeah, yeah. The uh, Charles the the one album that uh, was released early on from Charles Manson, the Lie album, is really good. There's uh, some There's amazing some songs. It's actually, there. Yeah, and oddly enough, it's weird you brought that up because it's in the script for my new movie. There's a scene where yes. um, the girl has some friends over and they're they're digging through her records and and one of them pulls that record out. Yes. And was like, like, oh, you have the Charles Manson record, and uh, and she's like, yeah, that's the original press, you know, not the reissue. So it's great because his madness is in it. Like that song, "Ego Is a Too Much Thing," starts is like this shit could have been a hit in the '60s, almost. Oh yeah, just that folk sound. But by the end of it, it does devolve, and you can just tell he kind of goes off the rails, you know, lyrically, even sonically. It's fucking dope, dude. It's yeah, like, oh man, um, it's like this guy could have been a pop star, but just couldn't hold it together because he was fucking nuts and possibly right. um, fed acid by the CIA. Right, right. The all, all, all sorts of like, yeah, all yeah. sorts of uh, LSD and shit. Chaos. <laughs> chaos. Yeah, yeah. But, you read uh, that book, Chaos, that Tom O'Neill book about Manson? It's fucking crazy. I got into my my to, my to be read yeah. pile. I still got to get to it. Out. I can't wait to read that. But, <laughs> but uh, see, this is... A, what Chris is saying right now, and this is why I wanted to bring Chris on, because I, I got the sense, like, just of doing a little bit of digging, that he was this type of artist. And yeah, I know I know it's how pretentious using that, but the word artist, but like, that's how yeah, I refer to people. That's how I refer to people create. Like, we're artists, right? Regardless, whether you make whatever kind of art, art is art. But, and this is the difference between you, Chris, and like the people that we talk to a lot or try not to talk to, is Chris is like, yeah, my next movie. He's just making his fucking next making shit. See, like we have like a lot of we know a lot of people and they're always like, you know, I got to put together this and I got this going and I got this going. Just make the shit like just go about making the shit like I feel like that's not enough because all we hear is like how hard it is to make shit. And yeah, it's fucking hard. (laughs) But like. Is that good? Anything worth let, doing is hard. Usually. Right. Are you going to let that stop you? You know what I'm saying? Especially living in the time where we live in, where it's like now it's like most people just want. And again, this is this is a, a, a trend. And this is why we're buzzkills. Right. But I feel like mo, mo, most people just want sort of the notoriety. They don't want to make the shit. You know what I'm saying? Like like it's like ha- like I love I always say this. I'm one of those writers who like it does feel better to to uh, have written than be writing. But I sort of embrace the struggle of writing. What, what I mean by that is like, no, but like there is uh, there is a level of uh, a fulfillment in the process of piecing things together. Right. If you allow yourself to. And it comes down to the point of like this philosophy about creators and creatives. Right. Is that like a lot of people, they don't really they, they like the idea of being sort of an artist. They like the idea of creating shit. But there, that's but if you're creating from the space of like, I just want that, then it, it's reflective in the sort of shit that you make. And it's like and ultimately it's it's reflective in your sort of motivations, because if you're putting all your energy and time and just a sort of like, I need to how can I get people to convince to give convince well, them to what you're talking about is a specific kind of creature and yes. one that we don't like or respect that much as years go on is the screenwriter. 
screenwriters a lot of times are people who don't have the balls or the gumption or the fortitude or the perseverance or whatever to be directors so they have this vision for a film but the only way they could see to get it out to the world is to write a blueprint for it and then have someone else put it all together and part of that's because a lot of times they think commercially and they're not creative problem solvers because they're thinking in terms of money making a movie so hard if you think about it in terms of money if you think about it in just how can i represent what i want in the cheapest easiest most effective manner with all those things considered then you're getting into the territory of making an art film essentially like you did some of your special effects etc you know the way you did the gore Mm. yeah and it's not as hard it it can become fun if you look at it a certain way but uh, again the timid sorry not to cut you off but the timid screenwriter type is like somebody who goes to a painter and suggests to them what they should paint you know what i mean you you are writing a blueprint for something it's a weird creative thing to pursue and it speaks to other issues you know what i mean right right well i i really feel what ryan was saying a, a second ago because uh like for me uh the work is is what I enjoy. I I like right. doing the work, and uh, and I think the reason why I've kind of gotten to the age where I can sort of be self reflective, I, I figured out at a you know pretty young age, um, like probably around high school, you know that that I've had uh, depression uh, issues like a lot of people do, and uh, I found that the one thing that sort of uh, helped with that was if I had more projects on my plate then I could really finish like I like once I've finished then that's when the depression would really sink so in idle hands and do the devil's sort of, work sort thing, of, right? yeah you fall into that black hole but but I would stay out of the black hole if I just like had shit to do uh and you know preferably creative shit where I was making something mm-hmm. that I could look back on and, and see like oh yeah I did this I was in bands for years and uh it was always really important to me to be working on a record and we you know put out our own records uh did lots of them because uh it was just so important to be doing that work and leave things behind almost like uh, breadcrumbs, uh, a trail of, of, well, this is all the shit that I did uh, because I just had to keep busy. And so that's where I'm at right now. It's, it's like, it's, it is really nice. Like, like, especially as a filmmaker, if you make the film and you get to go watch it with an audience and you feel really good, like when people react to it in the way that you wanted them to react to it. But for me, uh, just as much of the enjoyment as I get from that, like I just get the enjoyment of just doing the work. And, and and putting the pieces together uh i i like the writing part of it i like the uh actually shooting it uh and sometimes corralling the people sucks that yeah. that's maybe the that's hardest, the hardest part, part is like, the uh, human yeah. management yeah yeah mm-hmm. but but if you can get through that part of it then i i love the editing i love uh doing the uh uh sound design and stuff like that the post uh, is just, post is kind of to me the real fun of it now yeah. you've got all this clay and shit and you're like, how yeah. am I going to mold it? How am I going to reinterpret it? You know, the whole yeah. adage, you make three movies, the one you write, the one you shoot, the one you edit, you know? Yeah, the, the post work for me is the, is the, the funnest part. I, I get more out of that than anything. Yeah, your mic just got weird. I don't know why, like distant sounding or something. Yeah, <laughs> it seemed like we're cutting in and out. Can you hear me okay now? Yeah, I think your yeah. connection's shot. Yeah. But uh, what was I going to say? I don't know. Oh, well, we talk about this all the time. It's the process over outcome. Can you hear me? Yeah. 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 That you're just about doing the work, having the fun, making it. That kind of, to me, feels like your punk roots, too, because have you always not tried to hinge your income on art? Because a lot of the punk scene is like, fuck money. We just want to play and get the crowd up or whatever, you know? The trap a lot of creatives get in is trying to make art their livelihood, and have a nice house paid for by art and shit. And it's like, if you throw away that expectation, then it's not so torturous. It's fun. You're yeah. making art, you know? Right. That's That was punk rock for me. It was, was that whole thing of, of, of almost like anti-money, which looking back on that, now it's like, oh, like I, I, I wish I hadn't been so anti-money my entire life because <laughs> maybe I'd it have uh, some some uh stashed away at this point but uh I, i'm kind of being funny about that uh, yeah 
the whole scene that I came from, like if you were making money, you were kind of an ass, asshole. Like like you were like like you were shunned if people thought because they, they would think you were selling. And, right. And, you know, that is, in a way, in a way, that's a little bit of a silly attitude, but it also kind of made me who I am, and that and I don't care. Like 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 if if I spend. Uh, this next movie is probably going to cost thirty thousand, which is like double what what I've spent on any other movie before. But I've got a lot more characters, and I got a lot more special effects and stuff going on. But I'm prepared to spend that that money and just and wave goodbye to it if, if that's what it so is. So you just self finance? You don't raise anything through crowdfunding? No, or we crowdfunding? we do we do crowd we've done crowdfunding on campaigns on both. Did he call us back? His connection went to shit. Can you hear me? Yeah, you sound yeah. awful. It sounds like okay. you're in a can almost. Like I don't know what. I don't, yeah, I don't know something shifted phase or something. Uh, do you want to hang up and call us back? We could keep the link up. I think it should work, right? Yeah, it should work. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think we got like ten minutes left, probably till the buzzer goes off. But <laughs> do you want to try that? Yeah, so yeah. you should just leave the meeting. I'll keep it running, and then you just hit just that link that in. we sent you again. Yeah. Yeah, pop back okay. in. All right, sounds good. Cool. cool. And while he's doing that, we'll... Uh... What's your favorite part of Theta Girl? Bruh. I think for me, it's the trip scenes. I just love the Jodorowsky yeah, those, those, of it, yeah, the yeah, Holy the, Mountain shit. The, the trip scenes are a highlight for sure. Um, damn, bro. The Entity's voice. The entity's, <laughs> the entity's great. Uh, fuck, bro. Orgies though, massacres. I mean, it's got a lot to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of t- you know, it's, it's this movie's got a lot more. Like, I feel like, I feel like this movie's got a lot of memorable moments in it. Like, um, because again, like, I feel like if you're going into this movie blind, you're just not like it's gonna catch you off guard because you just don't like. It's not one of those movies that sort of like, it, it, it's made. It's not made with the sort of like, the type of person behind this movie, isn't one who's a uh, is typically sort of like following the rules so like you know speak of the devil you yeah. be back. <laughs> back chris is back here we go okay can you hear me yes now yeah, you sound great. way better way better okay yeah. good so we were we were just saying what what our fa- our favorite moments were and i was and, and and jason was like he liked the trip scenes and the theta girl and i was i was really debating it uh like do i like the because i like that there's a lot of moments in your movie that i really dig but i was saying like i think overall i just dig that like it's a movie that's not like that doesn't adhere to the sort of uh, conventions in terms of like it doesn't play by those same set of rules that we're so accustomed to see people play by. I feel like um, like it's like the whole idea of like the hero's journey. Right. And all that all that shit. Right. Like we've absorbed so much of that. Like not only do writers absorb it, but like I feel like everybody sort of knows that now. Like, you know what I mean? Like just even the average casual viewer sort of kind of probably has come across that term, the idea of a hero's journey and the arc and all that type oh, yeah. of shit. So it's like, it's so formulaic and so so uh, 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 pervasive amongst all like the media that people consume that like, it's just people understand it through sort of like just ex- being exposed to it, right? The worst thing that ever happened was George Lucas mentioning Joseph Campbell. That's yes, definitely one <laughs> of the worst. he did that, everyone's yeah. like, oh, the dude who made the most money looked at that shit. Oh, let's all fucking do that now forever. Right. Yeah. And like, like now that, that approach is grafted onto every story that you tell. And like when you see something like this, right? And you see, oh, like this, this is a person who's trying to tell a story, but like they're not like thinking with that in the forefront of their mind. They're like, no, I'm trying to explore this thing. And I have like, I just like, you could tell when people like have a sort of like, they key in on one thing and they're like, I want to talk about this, or I want to tell a story like this. And I'm just going to take it to its where I can see where I can go with it. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like that's what this movie does. And that's, that's why, that's why it appealed to me. Like, because I'm so, I I said, I can watch movies like, and just be like, all right. And and then like, I just forget it. (laughs) Like, I feel like that's, that's the, that's a good test. Right. It's like we all watch movies and like the moment that you watch it and it's over, it's like, okay, Right. Well, like even the tale that you're telling here, you know, it's pig with Nicolas Cage is another example of taking that same kind of old story. You know, my friend was killed or got abducted either or must go on a war path to either avenge them or rescue them. You know what I mean? It's pretty classical. But the difference is you actually have vision like you create this whole different 
avenue way off the fucking normative path in that kind of story you know it's just uh and you do it of course through music through editing through using gore nudity dicks yeah, are the I, new tits right that's what we always say here <laughs> dicks are the new tits dicks are the new tits yeah right if you've got a even, dick in a movie like you're trying to at even, least even, veer off that path even down to like little storytelling things like uh you know you're just, you're just waiting for the uh the love interest to develop between yes. uh gacy and derek uh because in any other movie that's what's coming and then it doesn't happen i and, I, and I've, I've had people give me feedback they're like i really loved that they never yeah. got together uh just because that's what's supposed to happen you know everybody's read that same uh book about uh saving the cat yeah, blake <laughs> snyder yeah yeah, yeah. blake yeah. snyder is like the fucking love child of the lucas campbell thing yeah yeah. You know? yeah yeah totally uh and 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 you know i'm not uh dismissing that at all like like i i i think there's a, a great history of, of storytelling that uh that exists but uh yeah you, you especially if you're working at such a low low budget uh where the the only chance you have to connect with people is to do something that's not the same thing that yeah. they they've seen a million times so uh that was definitely intentional like like uh you know knowing that we have a male and a female character like 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 well they they can't get to get like we can hint that there might be a world where they do get together but it can't happen here because that's just what everybody's going to expect to see right and i know okay so so this first theta girl was uh uh written by david axe right and that yeah the, the, and where, how, how did you and david connect did you guys go back like you guys known each other for since yeah like yeah you said you were lamenting one night <laughs> yeah yeah uh we were just um like pals and uh and is he from just, the same uh, area uh, same area as you yeah that's right In south carolina columbia south carolina didn't uh david gordon green and danny mcbride and all them tim that, moore come out of south north carolina Car or north carolina uh that might be North Carolina. I think it's North yeah, Carolina. University of North Carolina. School but but uh, so and then I know Jason didn't he didn't get to see Bad Girls, but Bad Girls I saw Bad Girls. Um, Bad Girls was your second film, and I think you wrote that along with with who was who was that you wrote that with? I, I wrote that with a guy named Shane Silman, who is who's the main bad it's guy. The bad guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the main bad guy from yeah. from the Theater Girl. Uh, oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, and what's your relationship brute. with him? Where did you guys did you guys meet each other on like the music scene or or? Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a customer in prison. At, he was a customer. Yeah, yeah, in prison. Uh, <laughs> he was a customer at, at the first record store that I that I owned, and awesome. we became good friends from there yeah that's fucking awesome that's he great. had good taste in music yeah well he uh is, was in a band that uh that i've actually used um in both of my movies um so terry cloth stiletto from the theater girl is yeah. actually shane's band uh they they recorded this demo like 25 years ago and never put it out they broke up like was that the name of their band or is that a fictional they're, name? They're, the name of their band is actually Hand Over Fist. And, and so they recorded this demo and then uh, never put it out. And, and so I told him it's my goal to eventually yeah. put the whole demo out. Uh, Through movies? Over the course of all the movies that I made. Love it. Okay, yeah. So there's a, couple, awesome. there's a couple of things I got to say. Okay. And I know I mentioned this to you on in a DM. Okay. For those who haven't seen bad girls, go see bad girls. Uh, but uh, bad girls has a shotgun baby death in it. <laughs> uh, that uh, uh, I just can't not like, like, I know that sounds fucked up, but I told I, him as soon as he told me that I was like, I'm in, I mean, and honestly, you know, given, given and I, and on, on, a, on a serious note, on a serious note, because I understand like, like culturally what's going on and like, you know, you got a lot of shootings and shit and I don't want to like be like, Oh, make this joke about this. And then like, understand like the sensitivities that exist in the world that we live in today with like real shit. But like in this movie, it is shouldn't have to equivocate, but, right? Know. You shouldn't have to equivocate, but I feel like it's, it's important to just go ahead and be like, we we'll recognize yeah, that. Like, because humans. I'm like, I don't want people to like, yo, if you, if you feel in a certain type of way, maybe don't watch this yet but it, just to let you know though that like it's in it's 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 this is a this is a fun movie it's not like a movie that's done uh from the from the from the standpoint of like this is going to traumatize you or anything like that um but also another thing i wanted to say about that movie was there's a house at the very end of that movie 
Um, and I wanted to know whose house that is at the end of this movie. Jace, I know you haven't seen this, but like they, they go to a house that's supposedly owned by a Dude, you just loaded it up so much that I can't wait to see this house. Yeah, uh, it's a famous rock star, apparently, that you know they want to go to. And there's this very interesting house at the end of this movie that uh I wanted to ask yeah, you. Yeah, whose house? <laughs> whose house that is. Uh well, it's actually three different houses that we sort of cut together. So so depends on which part of the house here you're, you're asking about. <laughs> uh it i mean that's what i wanted to the whole house so it's three different houses okay. yeah so so, so one of the interiors is um is basically a dilapidated uh house that a friend of mine owns um which is actually the same house from the theta girl where um terry claus stiletto lives and they they go into that house and she slips on the blood and yeah. there's uh, all the dead uh like uh, a <laughs> 